o'clock on a Thursday. It's Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. People dig in fire or fizzle. Big Cat Dan, exclamation point. Cut that music off. <laughs> Had a lot of phrases <laughs> bred from that segment alone. Yeah, man. That's I mean, the one. Try. Gotta make it legendary. Um, going to a couple of these other texts. 704 wanted to know, wasn't Hoover High also coached by Rush Probst? Is that true? I didn't know that. That does sound quite familiar. It might have been. I didn't know. I, I was young when that was coming out. I did enjoy it quite a bit, but I was way too young to remember some of the characters on that show. I just remember, was the safety the main character? Wasn't even the quarterback? Maybe it was. I just remember liking it. Yeah, and he is right. This is correct. He About did come Rush both places. Yes. Okay, Rush Probst was also a part of Hoover High. Um, I can't remember who the main guys on that show were. It was a long time ago, but it was very good. I remember when it dropped, and clearly here it was in 2006, now making an appearance on Fire Fizzle on Wes and Walker. <laughs> We're going to have George Shoffrey join us in just a moment, a part of Pro Football Focus. I'm interested in what his takes are on Bryce Young, not only this offseason, but his expectations, what he thinks Bryce Young can accomplish in his first season coming into the uh, NFL in 2023. We'll see exactly what he can do. I'm excited about it. I know that the wide receiver room has been one that nationally, anytime there's going to be a publication that puts out a list of the best wide receiver rooms in the NFL, West, the wide receiver room for Carolina has been ranked dead last in spots, second to last, and it's never been anything that I can make sense of. I'm not saying that they're crazy talented. I'm not saying that they should be even in the top half, but a Houston Texans team ranked by Trevor Sikama of Pro Football Focus, they have Houston last, Carolina 31, Tennessee 30, but Tennessee, I guess they have Traylon Burks. Don't know how much they have outside of that that I would have Tennessee above Carolina. New England got Juju Smith-Schuster. And with Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is going to Tennessee. I guess that's the case. But even this was ranked before Tennessee. But mm-hmm. you're right. But you know, you're you're totally right about that. Even without DeAndre, that's only going to move him up further on the list. Arizona, you know, you're without DeAndre now, but at least you have Marquise Brown. I guess the case for Carolina to be this far down on the list is that wide receiver talent in the NFL is at an all-time high. I mean, you've got a lot of really talented dudes. And Carolina with Adam Thielen, Terrace Marshall Jr., DJ Chark, I guess they're ranked last when, because of all the talent that they have out there. Yeah, and you also look at the teams that, that are uh, at the top, and they have a top-end guy. Uh, you're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. They've got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Philadelphia's got A.J. Brown and Devontae. So either they have a great duo or they have a top-end guy uh, that makes them – a really good core as far as he carries the weight of it. And so they put that much value in said number one guy. So I think that plays into it as well with Carolina and the fact that Thielen uh, is looked at by many to be their number one, but he's an older guy. So there's some room for people to poke some holes into that receiving core. You talk about uh, TMJ not quite developing yet. DJ Chark with the ankle issues and things of that nature. So uh, that that would be the reasons why I would think that national pundits aren't as high on this receiving core. I think that's probably right. How much does the tight end position help out this Carolina Panthers receiving room as well? Because in this write-up from Sikama, it says that you could make the argument that Carolina is dead last, but that you have uh, Hayden Hurst on this squad, Adam Thielen, and Sikama wanted to give some respect to some of the veterans. Yeah, I think tight ends definitely play a big factor. And as far as Hayden Hurst, and you know that I think that he could have a really good season here in Carolina this year, especially with the fact of production that he gave you 
playing alongside of Jamar Chase and a T Higgins. So you've got to like what he brings. And so you add him to the mix as well. And I think that gives them uh, a little bit of a boost. 704-570-9610. We're going to go to George Shahri in just a moment. 704-570-9610. Feel free to text us some of your thoughts on the wide receiver room. Because there are people that don't think that this is going to be a very good unit rolling in. And so I think for me, I, I think it's, again, because of all the wide receiver talent that you have. But at least you have some of these guys working with a different quarterback now. Yes. I, I don't think people put enough stock into the quarterback room being PJ Walker, being Sam Darnold, being Baker Mayfield, and that holding down some of the guys that you had on this team last year, including DJ Moore, right? Like DJ Moore, out of all of his seasons, you know, arguably on top of his rookie season. DJ Moore had his worst year last year because of the quarterback disarray that they found themselves in. Everybody else, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, the, the first go around, right? The two years ago, everybody else it worked with. And so now DJ's in Chicago, but that even DJ wasn't able to put up his usual 1,100 yards because of what was going on last season. Yeah, and I think Bryce Young is, again, a guy that I like to call a lemonade quarterback. It doesn't matter what type of lemons you give him. He can make some lemonade. He doesn't need 55 uh, all-pro receivers to be productive. And so I think this is going to be a good uh, core of receivers instead of just having one guy and then the other guys just kind of fill in the gaps. All right. So let's ask a professional from pro football focus about this. George Shahri joining us on the body works plus guest hotline. You can find him on Twitter, by the way, at PFF underscore George. So George, here we are talking about Bryce young. Finally, Finally, Carolina invests in a young quarterback instead of going after the retread guys, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. Love the move, but I am curious into what you think his expectations should be his rookie season and even beyond that, George. It's a pleasure to be on again. Hope you all are well. Um, yeah, I'm excited uh, about Bryce Young, and I think everyone should be. I mean, the the clips from training camp and joint practices, like those are fun and everything. I wouldn't read into anything positive or negative there. But I think what you saw from him at Alabama, um, in particular last year, to be honest with you, was he still played incredibly well despite having not great talent around him. You, know, you look at a guy like C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud's throwing to you know four NFL first-round picks. Uh, Bryce Young didn't have that last year. Didn't have anything close to that actually, and still earned a 91.5 PFF grade. By the way, you can find this uh, on PFF.com. PFF Plus subscription. Highly recommend, especially for fantasy season. Um, but I think the the expectation should be rookie of the year. Um, I think he has every capability of doing that. Um, I am worried about his supporting cast. You know, no, no DJ Moore is a, is a loss. I think Adam Thielen is over uh, the hill a little bit, just 68th in PFF grade last year. I think DJ Chark could break out, but he's more of a downfield threat. With this O-line, you're going to need some guys to get open quickly. So, look, I don't think it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows, but Bryce Young is by far the most talented quarterback of this group, especially at making the right read, at handling guys who are not, you know, first-round picks. Um, and they're in a division where I think there's opportunity to be had. So um, I'm bullish on him. I'm bullish on him. I think it'll be bumps in the road, but uh, long term, I think he'll be really good. Well, I mean, clearly our listeners love to hear that you're bullish on him because we're excited. Finally, again, they invest in the guy, and it seems like it is the right guy. I did want to talk about that supporting cast because Trevor Sikama, your colleague on Pro Football Focus, mm-hmm. released a wide receiver room rankings all across the NFL. 
And Carolina was 31st, and the first sentence is, you can make a case for the Panthers being ranked last on this list. Houston, the only team below Carolina. I don't see them that that far down, uh, George. I, I just I like Adam Thielen. Of course, you mentioned DJ Chark. I, I'm interested in what Mingo can bring. Uh, why are you so worried about the supporting cast, and, and why did Trevor have them at number 31? Look, I think every, you can always make an upside case generally for players in the NFL, especially younger players. Um, DJ Chark, I was, uh, you know, someone that I was high on coming out. I mean, he's never had a PFF grade over um, 75 last three years. It's been 71, 65, 69. Um, and he has not been a number one guy. So what we know uh, is that, you know, there is a difference between coverage players in the NFL, usually a rather significant one. And that transition is not always super smooth. He's got 4-3 speed, 6-4, but you see those things and you immediately assume that he can win at all levels of the field. We just haven't seen that. So can he progress? Maybe, right? There's an opportunity there, but it could also go the other way. And I think that's why, and I agree with Trevor here, right? It's like on balance, I do think you have to look at the mean expectation and go, if that, if that average thing happens, if none of these guys kind of take the upside case, it could be really not great because a quarterback like Bryce Young, he, he's going to need guys to separate. It doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. If there's not separation on the field, throwing in the contested coverage doesn't matter if you're Patrick Mahomes or not. Um, it, you're going to be in a bad spot. And I'll use a stat to illustrate that. Um, many people kind of assume Mahomes is making these incredible throws time after time after time, and he is. But what is so impressive about those throws is the way that he routinely hits open guys. He's actually top 10 in the league in what we call yards on expected throws, meaning it's not a grade that is above average, but he's continuously throwing to open receivers. And part of that is team. I do think Frank Reich is going to improve that a lot. Okay, I want to be clear there. But a lot of that is also on the receiver. We know that receivers, you get open against man coverage, that is sticky. Year over year means it's repetitive. We didn't see uh, Adam Thielen do that. DJ Chark doesn't have a huge sample size. So um, I think that's the biggest risk, to be honest with you, in, in Bryce Young's development. I wouldn't be surprised if next year, you know, depending on where their pick is and who the free agents are, that's their area of investment, all of what we've seen with some of the other young quarterbacks out there. George Chaw rejoins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him at PFF underscore George. And uh, I picked up on the comment that you said about Bryce Young having to get the ball out fast. And so do you think that uh, this offensive line isn't quite where it needs to be? Or what do you feel uh, about this Panthers O-line in 2023? Yeah, one of my favorite things to do, and I have this on my screen right now on PFF.com, is just to look at the, the lineup and see the PFF grades across the entire team offense and defense. And you look at the, the offensive line, and just, you know, reading out the rankings of, of where those players ranked in PFF grade last year, you go 47, 55th, uh, you've got a couple of inside the top 20 in the interior, but then 38th over there on the, uh, on the right at right tackle. So, you know, it's, what I'll say about it is you don't have any glaring huge weaknesses on, on either tackle, but neither is particularly strong, and we're hoping Econwu uh, um, will, will improve a little bit this year. Um but it's the NFL. You don't really have any quarterbacks that can't that, that can afford not to get rid of the ball quickly. You know, uh, even Jalen Hurts, who had the number one offensive line in the NFL, even the Niners who have a great offensive line, 
Jalen Hurts, one of the huge progressions last year was he was incredibly efficient on quick throws. He does have some plays that are longer developing, but a lot of his plays are actually in 2.5 seconds or less. I think that is one of the things that's going to serve Bryce Young really, really well. Um, if you look at his time at Alabama, uh, this was not, he's not one of these quarterbacks that held onto it forever. Um, he was a little above average in terms of what the NFL would be, but I think his ability to read what is happening on the field is going to allow him to get rid of the ball quickly. I would be concerned, frankly, if his time to throw was above league average, which is about the 2.8 range. I would look for that to be a little closer to like 2.7, 2.6 because he'll need to get rid of the ball quickly. And then, George, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, we know Ezra Evero comes in bringing that 3-4 base defense. And mm-hmm. which players do you feel like or which player do you feel like stands the most to gain? And then which player could this defense maybe uh, hurt the most in 2023? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, look, I, I have always been a huge Brian Burns fan. Um, I, I really think he has an opportunity. I've yeah, full transparency bet on him in the past to uh, lead the league in sacks. Um, I don't think we've seen the full measure of what he's capable of, um, and I think this defense will highlight that. Um, look, he's not—he's he, a—he's an athletic guy, six-five, two-fifty. We've seen some of the things that he can do when you know you give him kind of space to move. So I, I remain bullish on him. You know, it's kind of entering fifth year. I, I think a top ten pass rush season from Brian Burns. He was thirty seventh in pass rush grade last year among edge defenders, edge rushers. So I think he's the guy there. Um, I, I'm not sure that it hurts anyone. Um, look, I, you know, I think everyone's been impressed with what Derek Brown can bring. You know, I'm not necessarily expecting him to make a big jump. He was seventh among defensive tackles last year. I think he continues to be solid. The place that I'm really interested from a defensive standpoint is what happens in the secondary outside of J.C. Horn. There are some big question marks there in terms of coverage. Jackson is just 101st in in grade. and So it's really hard for a defensive line to make up for a lack of coverage. So I think it's going to be crucial um, for that pass rush, their coverage can hold up for long enough. Yeah, what do you think is the more impactful coach that the Carolina Panthers welcomed this offseason? Frank Reich, obviously, going to be in control because he is the head coach, but we know that he's going to have his influence on the offensive side. How, how big of an impact do you think is going to come from Frank Reich and also Jero Averro on the defensive side? Yeah, it, it's a good question. So what we know statistically is that you just have more control from an offensive perspective in that, you know, on defense, you're kind of, you're at the mercy of some of the circumstances that you deal with, right? If you have an injury, you have a weak link. Like, you saw this with Brandon Staley last year. I think everyone would accept that he's a very good defensive coach and their defense got shredded. And the reason for that is that they had some, you know, high-priced agents didn't work out and, and the offense can attack the defense where it's weakest. Whereas on the offensive side, you can avoid your weaknesses and play to your strengths. And so I think Frank Light is going to have a bigger impact especially given the importance of this rookie quarterback. I, you know, I think few people made enough of the Frank Wright signing. I've put him in the top tier of coaches in the past. Um, I, I think there are some people that would disagree with that. But from a team perspective and from a decision-making, particularly on fourth downs perspective, he is really, really, really good. I think his one weakness has been that he likes Carson Wentz too much. Um, <laughs> but uh, he doesn't have Carson Wentz this time around. So 
look, I hope they stick with Frank Wright. Um, I hope they get, you know, some, some upside from the receivers or are able to bring one because I do think he's, he's really elite. Yeah, I hope that there's no apologizing to David Tepper for being all in on Bryce Young like he was apologizing to Jim Ursay for bringing on Carson Wentz. I don't think we're going to get that. That is George Shahri from Pro Football Focus. Follow him on Twitter. Great football follow at PFF underscore George. George, thanks so much for the time, man. We always appreciate it. Anytime, Carlos. Be well. That was good stuff on the Carolina Panthers. Let's come back. Let's recap some of those comments. And then let's go to the live wire. A segment we debuted last week, the electricity. It runs through our veins. It's coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We are fawning over Doritos during the break because during the interview, I believe, maybe during Fire Fizzle, it was recently. Uh, it was during the Calhoun vehicle. That's what it was. Okay. So why does this man say vehicle? Why is he saying that? The Jalen Calhoun vehicle? I have no clue. I don't think you know how to use that word. Oh, no. I know how to use it. I just use it because every time I use it, it throws you off. It does. It throws (laughs) me off. I don't know why I give it energy. I give it life. It's my problem. I realize that, but it does throw me off every single time. During the Jalen Calhoun interview, Drum over here tipped a big old bag of Doritos straight on back to make sure he got every single morsel of Dorito at the bottom of that bag. So now we're going to give him the uh, opportunity to give us the top five snacks of all time at the end of the show. We love food. We talk about it a lot. I imagine Doritos are going to be on the top of the Yeah, list. I think so too. They're going to be out there on the top. I love three. how he called them the blue Doritos. I know. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Because you have red <laughs> or blue as the OGs, but yeah. Doritos, I mean, they've expanded. Big oh, time. sure. They got a lot of flavor. Purple so, bag's goaded. The purple bag is very the good. purple bag. Like they call Raekwon's album the purple tapes. I mm-hmm. guess you start calling Doritos by the bag. Everything is purple. <laughs> the Dorito bag was great. Let me get that purple bag. Yo. And rain. Uh, uh, purple and very good as well. <laughs> yes. Another great vehicle, you might say. You also... <laughs> Also, the dark blue bag, the Blazing Buffalo Ranch. When Ooh, I had that... Never it, had them. I, don't eat, I hope they still make them. But in high school... Every trip to the grocery store included me putting a bag of those into the shopping cart. And that's why you use wet wipes. All right, moving on. What's wrong with this, man? I don't know, man. 704-570-9610. You can tell us what the best the top five snacks are of all time. I can't believe I'm giving more time to Fiddy to go to the live wire, but it's, it's time. Play the intro and tell us what sound you have. Live wires on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west. Up north to the down south. Live wires connect. You know, in the biz, we would refer this to as the Josh Marlowe led vehicle because I'm about to drive this segment for the next 10 to 15 minutes. Nothing makes sense. Um. <laughs> all right. So. Not only did the Carolina Panthers speak after the joint practice yesterday with the New York Jets, but of course the Jets with hard knocks in town, they had to get in front of the microphone as well. And uh, the white prince of New York, four-time MVP Aaron Rodgers. Is he a white prince now? I thought it was just the prince, but now we know his skin color. Yeah, well, and I mean, (laughs) he just, he would wear like a white coat is what I would, how I envision him. 
He was asked about Bryce Young, and here's what the quarterback had to say. I didn't really see him. I saw him in the last two-minute drive. Uh, I like the kid a lot. Uh, we have uh, uh, we share an agent, so I've known about him for a long time. Uh, I love watching him in college. I like his demeanor. I like his movement. I like the way he throws. Uh, I trust a guy like Adam. You know, him and I are good buddies for a long time, and he just raves about him. So I think uh, Carolina's in good hands. Be gentle with yourself. It's a long journey. Uh, it feels like every little snap and practice is the end of the world if it doesn't go right. It's just not true. It's a long, uh, long journey. It's about holding on to your confidence and enjoying the ride, enjoying the little things every day. But I think he's got a great head on the shoulders, and he'll be just fine. But also, don't make any mistakes ever. That would be great. Bryce Young, don't take advice from Aaron Rodgers. Just take my advice. Don't ever make a mistake. <laughs> what do you think this does for Bryce Young that Aaron Rodgers speaks so glowingly about him? Well, I think just everything that he's done in his life, he's going to take it in stride. He knows what type of player he is. He's talked to Tom Brady already now with Aaron Rodgers giving him uh, a seal of approval. I think it just adds to uh, the gratitude. I'm sure that's something Bryce Young would say. He's very gracious uh, to get comments like that from a Hall of Fame quarterback, and it's just going to give him another incentive to keep on working because I'm sure he wants to get to where uh, Aaron Rodgers is one day as far as the accolades and the career that he's had. What you got, Fiddy? What's next? I, oh, Go I was, ahead. No, I was just going to say I just I just love hearing him talk so glowingly about other quarterbacks. And everyone's trying to, because he said be gentle with himself. Like, Bryce Young is going to be fantastic because he's got a four-time MVP Hall of Famer that has his support. Speaking of quarterback play, Frank, Frank Wright spoke with the media yesterday, and he talked about how he wants his quarterbacks to play the position in the process compared to a great guy on an NBA court. That's what you can expect to see from our offense. You know, that's just the way we're going to roll. And, um, again, we want our quarterbacks to distribute the ball, be playmakers, be the Steph Curry. You know, be the Steph Curry that, you know, just get the ball to these guys, let them make plays for you. We want to settle for three points every single time he drives down the field. I think that's the comparison. Steph Curry, we want him to be exactly like that. What do you make of the Steph Curry comparison? Yeah, and I was wondering, too, doesn't he know Steph likes to shoot the ball, too? You know, when he was talking about the distributing and all that stuff. Seems like a weird comparison. Steph likes to get a bucket, too, now. Yeah, he does. I know people have compared Pat Mahomes to Steph Curry because... I mean, you're talking about long shots from Steph and long passes to Pat Pat Mahomes. I know people have called Bryce like baby Mahomes. Well, I, no, that's Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is baby Mahomes. Okay, but people are calling Bryce that because of his ability to play off platform and to improvise on plays. That's been a comparison made. I like the Joe Burrow one the best. That's one I've always rolled with. Steph Curry feels like a stretch. I, I know what he's getting with. He's dynamic. Steph Curry's dynamic. I just don't know if I get the comparison. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that was my thing, too. It's like, yeah, Steph does distribute the ball. He's a great passer, but he's very flashy, too. So, does that mean he wants Bryce to be flashy? Does that mean he wants uh, Bryce to shimmy after he makes great throws and touchdown (laughs) passes? Does he mean he wants uh, Bryce Young to throw the ball and then turn around and look at the opponent's sideline while the ball is in the air? Like, ooh, how cold would that be if a quarterback did something like that? Threw the ball and then started looking at the other team's sideline as it drops into the receiver's hand. So Hard Knocks was showing Aaron Rodgers throwing behind the back alongside like Garrett Wilson trying to do it as well. I want a completion, a bomb from Bryce Young where he turns away as soon as it leaves its hand, his hands and then just winks at the camera. 
when we get that, then we will get the true street ball, basketball, football sick. crossover. I was just thinking like in my head, like let, let's just say Bryce Young does play the game in a flashy manner. Is he going to be covered the same way the local and the national media covered Cam because Cam played flashy or because Bryce has been this buttoned up guy? He went to Alabama and, did, and, and had a different path to the NFL. Would we think of him differently if he was, I guess, a quote unquote showboat or a show off on the football field? Did you think, well, I guess you could say Cam celebrations and things of that nature were flashy because I thought he played a pretty hard nosed, blue collar type of game in between the lines, though. Oh, well, yeah. Are you you're asking if he's going to be covered the same way, Bryce Young? If he's flashy, like, I wh- think what is Bryce your point had, about it? No, I was just saying when Fifty said how Cam had a flashy game, and I was saying I thought Cam's game was very blue collar, but just saying that uh, his game was blue collar. It's flashy though. You yeah, don't think I mean, it was, was no. I'm saying the celebrations were, but as far as how he played, like you never saw Cam do a lot of the stuff Mahomes would do. Like Cam would get back there. And he'd make the throws, and he was running the ball. Like, I thought he played a very tough guy brand of football at the quarterback position. But that was just uh, my vantage point. But as far as it goes, I think Bryce is going to get a lot of coverage because, for one, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. He played at Alabama, uh, so all eyes on him. Carolina's gotten a lot of coverage this offseason from a lot of the national pundits, and I think that will continue, especially if he plays well and they're winning. Well, and so this is what we do with Steph Curry. It's why so many people love him. You see yourself in Steph a lot more than you can see yourself in LeBron James. Same thing between Bryce Young and Cam Newton. Yep. Bryce Young is going to be, everybody loves the underdog. Everybody loves the small guy that goes out there with the big dogs and competes and actually beats him. And Bryce Young with his soft-spoken demeanor, really respected kid, you know, speaks like a kid still and isn't going to be one that is very intimidating. And so you love him. You love watching him play on the football field. I'm not saying defenses shouldn't be scared of him. What I'm saying is that's how it comes across to fans. And he's a little more relatable than 6'5", Heisman winner, athlete that Cam Newton is. Yes. Same size as defensive ends, 260 running four fives out here. Yeah, nobody can see themselves in Cam Newton because that body doesn't exist until maybe we get a decade later and you start to see your Justin Fields enter the NFL, even a Jalen Hurts, maybe Josh Allen. I know people have made that comparison, but nah, I, I think especially with the way if, if Bryce Young is as showboaty as Steph, then I think it'll be treated as Steph Curry. So, yeah, good question, though. What you Thank got? you. All right, so we've heard audio of Eli Drinkwitz, Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban speaking out against conference realignment that is taking college football by storm yet again. Well, now we can add Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney to the mix, and here's what he had to say about how conference realignment is impacting college football. I don't get caught up in all that stuff. I mean, honestly, it's just kind of – it's just the next domino to where it's all going. I mean, I mean, we can. It just is what it is. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be this year, mid-season, or next year, or three years from now. But eventually, we're going to have a. I don't know. I don't know what the number is. It'd be 40, 50, 50, 14, something like that, and it's going to be a, a 14, 16 team playoff type of deal. That's where it's going to be, and it's going to be whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't know what the league's going to be called or what the divisions or or whatever, but that's that's where it's going to go eventually. So, you know, it's just there just seems to be these steps going there. What do you think of Dabo's comment? I mean, that just sounds like, you know, I make a ton of money and I'm going to keep coaching football and I'm not going to worry about stuff that doesn't affect me in the end term. Uh, this is a very Dabo comment. I'm not 
surprised at all. I think, you know, he just lets things be handled uh, behind the scenes. And he's just going to keep on coaching ball. But as far as everything goes, I think he knows what is coming. I think it's in the back of his mind. But he's worried about trying to get back into college football playoff uh, territory. Well, yeah, it was a whole lot of nothing. I know DJ Skinner was joking with me about asking an 18-year-old, even though he's 22, asking a 22-year-old about conference realignment. You know, Jalen Calhoun gave us probably the same amount that Dabo did right there. That I don't pay attention to all of it. And we'll see how many teams will actually play in the conference as we go on. I just want to win football games. Well, I mean, like, he really can't say anything that you could hold, you know, true to the fire because he said if players ever started getting paid, he was going to the NFL. Right. Um, players are getting paid, and his ass is still in Clemson. So it's not like he could say if Clemson leaves the ACC, he's going to quit. Also, Clemson is one of the teams that the ACC is looking to appease along with Florida State, or at least to some degree, because Florida State has been real chaotic. They are out here shooting the flare, saying we are not happy with this grant of rights deal, again, that they signed all the way through 2036. And so they can make private equity money. They can try to raise that as much as possible, raise as much money to break away from it. But even so, the ACC, they don't have to have Florida State leave. They, they can deny the buyout money if they want to. Yep. Florida State, I, I just don't know how they're going to leave before the grant of rights is up in 2036. If the ACC would have brought aboard California and Stanford, that would not be to the advantage of the football money because it's not like Stanford or California is making all that much. You see that California is one of the worst, worst run athletic programs in all of college sports even. So what that would do, the people that are clamoring for Stanford in California, it's people that aren't football people that want that to happen because they are prestigious universities. And so you would love to have their research labs. <laughs> you would love to have what they bring as far as academia, not what they bring on the football field. And so if you have anybody that cares about the product on the football field, that's the logical thing is to bring in the money that they're not bringing in, nor is SMU. This isn't as much as we liked what we would want the Pony Express days. That's not what they are right now. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be a t- thing where can you bring in enough money to make Florida State happy and a continued winning Clemson happy? If they can do that, they'll bring the school aboard. But it never made much sense to bring California and Stanford or SMU aboard. And so that's why it came to a halt. But, you know, the biggest value that those schools hold if they do bring them in. What schools? If you talk about bringing in Kyle and Stanford and SMU, it's conference survival. If you lose a couple of teams, you still have enough teams to be able to remain a league. And that's the biggest value that they could hold. You know, we were talking about this on Charlotte Sports Today earlier. I've come to the conclusion, like, the only way I think the ACC survives is if they get Notre Dame to join. And that's not a hot take. Everyone has said that for the last decade. I'm at the point now where I'm willing to add Notre Dame to the conference. Let them keep their NBC Peacock TV money separate and still give them a pie of the ACC TV contract. But see, that's what they were saying. They were saying if you add these schools, if you lose a Florida State and Clemson or you lose a couple of schools, you're still going to be able to remain a league because everybody's not going to be willing to pay and get out of whatever the case may be down the road. But but the merit of the league matters. And so, yes, you might be keeping it alive, but is it the point where you should just go ahead and put it down old Yeller style? <laughs> Ooh, I mean, wow, it, you went to a dark place. Man, that is I, I'm just rough. saying, if you 
want to go to Stanford or California <laughs> where it's not like their football program are getting a lot of eyeballs every single time they take the field Saturday, then you are diminishing the value of the ACC. I mean, we have Stanford and Cal and SMU. They're begging to be let into this conference and say, hey, we won't even we'll take a smaller share for the first five years, which isn't a great look. And that's why the ACC presidents that come together say uh, it doesn't make much sense for us. Now, I know Brett McMurphy was reporting that Notre Dame wants Cal and Stanford in. Well, Notre Dame, okay. But why don't your football team, why why doesn't your football team join? Because that would be great. Then we might listen, but we can't just bring Stanford and Cal aboard and then have you continue to be independent football because that's where the money is. That's where the money is, which is ultimately what is driving all of these decisions. Football is where the money is, but yet these people making the decisions are not football people. So if Notre Dame is saying, hey, we want Stanford and Cal, it's all about what they're doing in what is a tremendous field of research and what is happening in academia. But hey, man, we don't have an academia show. Right? That's not what drives our market. WFNZ is not going to be talking about science and stuff like that. We're just not going to. We're talking about college football and how to save the conference because we care about the product on Saturday. And we care that people care because it gives us jobs. And Stanford and Cal and SMU, that ain't going to do it. They don't make enough money. So that's what's going to be interesting about conference realignment. Can you break enough money off for Florida State to make them happy. What's yeah? This is going to be that's what's always going to happen here. Can you appease Florida State and Clemson in order to quiet them, or they're just going to have to be held hostage with this grant of rights deal that ends in 2036? It's yeah. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We have one more segment to go. Fitty, one more flash of the day for him. You don't have a fitty flash to say no. Stop! Don't do it! No! I don't have one. We're, right. we're going to kill that flash old yeller style. All right. That's what so, we do on Weston Walker. Sounds good. <laughs> Take that flash out back. It's time. Okay? Sorry, Flash. Yeah, you were a great one. I'm sure you were great, but it's time. Let's move on to the last segment. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. segment on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate George Shahri hopping on with us. By the way, just for some context on the last name, I'm saying it as close as I can and, and I not getting it right still. But a long time ago, when I first talked with George, I was trying to get the pronunciation right. And he was like, look, man, this is just how it is. Every hit he does, whoever is hosting that segment, the last name is wrong. And it's really hard to get right. I was like, okay, am I close? Like, yeah, it's about a nine out of 10, but it's, you know, it's still not a hundred percent correct. And that's just how you have to roll. He's, I, I like him enough to where it's, I don't dodge that. I just like, all right, I'm going to say the last name wrong, but I do say the last name wrong every time. I'm glad you brought this topic up because we've all been pronouncing Camus Gruger Hill's name incorrectly. Gruger, yes. Camus Gruger Hill. And it's Camus. His first name is gotcha. Kamu. Instead of Camus. That's what Brian Burns, he, uh, he he corrected a reporter yesterday when he was at the podium. So now, <clears throat> my name is no longer Josh. All right, what is it? It's Yash. Or Yashua. Okay. Or Yeshua. What about, okay, what about Chachua? What about Chachua? Do you like that? Or we could go with the friends of Joshua, if you want to go that route, when Rachel was with, jo- was, was with Joshua. What um, about Dume? Or Dummy? <laughs> What about that? 
it took two seconds. Maybe I'm a dumb A for not being able to get that. Well, you said seconds. it, not us. Yeah, I know. It took a little while. I think it took you five, though, so I wouldn't be going too well, far. Well, I was thrown off by how long it took you, you know? Yeah, 100%. I don't, I don't think you get it either. I don't. Th- I, th- I still think you don't get it. I think Fiddy, I think that's still, uh, it's like, doom A. So instead Dumont? of you being the mailman, we can call you the mailman? I don't think that rolls off the tongue like that. Yeah, I don't think it does. Well, the you know, mailman. We got Walker Mel. Yeah, uh, it's it's a tough last name for Shahri, not so much for Mail. I'm still going to call you Josh. I'm actually going to call you Fitty, uh, yeah, unless you want to be called Chach. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want. We can we can work on all of it. 704-570-9610. All right, Drum, it's his last day. He's going to go back home after this. It's been a fun three days, at least for us. We've had the, the, the chance to mold young minds in this Planet Kia studio. And I don't know if he's going back with a lot of valuable information, <laughs> but we did see him hit peak radio when he tipped over a bag of Doritos and ate every single crumb in said bag. And it got us thinking, all right, if we have a drum roll, one final drum roll, we wanted to know what the top five snacks of all time were, according to one drum from Mount Tabor. Drum, take the mic. What is the fifth best snack of all time? And just give us one sentence as to why. And speaking to the microphone just once more. At number five, we have Welch's, like the gummies. Oh, the, the okay. fruit snacks are great. Very popular. My question is, is Welch's better than Scooby Snacks, or are Scooby Snacks better than the Welch's Snacks? I'm not a big gummy guy like that, so I'm not going to I'm gonna bow out of this. Fiddy right. might be able to. Any help? Who the hell eats gummies? Oh, gummy snacks are good. A lot of people. I mean, like, uh, trolls are can I, good. Can I, get trolls somebody, are good. can I get somebody to help? Can you give me a thumbs up or thumbs trolls. down on? Okay, thank you. Like, yeah. gummy snacks, I will defend that choice 100%. Do you like Scooby snacks? Yes, but they're not, like, top. They're not Welch's. What about right. Teddy Grahams? Okay, those aren't no. gummies. I don't know. You're What's just bringing in. It's kind of like four? a Scooby snack. No, Scooby snacks are gummies. They are gummies, yes. You're thinking of the actual cartoon Scooby snack that Scooby himself eats. (laughs) I'm talking about an actual manufactured snack product that exists in real life that are gummies, and they are called Scooby snacks. Okay. What about Teddy Grabs? What about apples? Let's this just is the worst thing. list of all time. I mean, you made it that it. way. I'm sorry. It was actually starting well. What's the fourth best snack of all time, Drum? Cheez-Its. Easy. Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its are pretty good. I think, so they're, good. I think they're slept on. I do like Cheez-Its a lot. And they have the new ones, the toasted ones, where you I'm get sleep. a little extra crunch. I'm sleep, though. Cheez-Its are overrated. Because cheese nips were better. Cheese nips and, yeah, cheese nips were better. Cheez-Its are overrated. I think they're just so plain. Goldfish better than Cheez-Its. Also overrated. I'm with you, Drum. I like Cheez-Its. I don't know what it is. I, goldfish and Cheez-Its, yeah. I'm <laughs> floundered and not. He gave me a thumbs up, and then he raised a different finger at me when I said Cheez-Its were overrated. Third best snack of all time, according to Drum. What you got? Purple Doritos. Spot. Okay, so you have a diff- It's a specific flavor. And that's your favorite flavor of Dorito. I'm an inspiration. You are an inspiration. <laughs> the purple bag is great. We did ask that question. The best flavored Dorito of all time. You can find it on Wes Bryant underscore 72 and the show handle. WFNZ, all that. Yeah, Wes and Walker. You can find it everywhere. Do you like the purple bag of Doritos? Nope. Never had them. Okay. Won't eat them. You're not helping us out a lot in the snack list. I did. I, I told you that. Well, yeah, I did say I didn't like the Welch's <laughs> like that. But uh, the Cheez-Its, I'm here for. Okay. The second best snack of all time, according to Drum. Oreos with milk. That okay, is such I mean, a fire a answer. A it's such a fire answer. Yeah. Yes, it's dessert. It could count as both. But I have no problem with that being a snack. And he said with milk, which is a great 
accoutrement. Yeah. <laughs> An ode to Willie P. Love the milk alongside Oreos. Oreos is one of those I won't seek out on my own, but then when they're around, though, I'll eat a couple, and you're like, man, these are good. It doesn't stop. Yeah, especially the little mini Oreos when they made those travel well, size. Double stuff. The My game, son likes the double stuff. The double stuff Oreos. And if you ask Pete Nance, the lemon Oreos. Those the, were good. The lemon Oreos, we had those. Those were very good. So, yes. Speaking of food innovations, remember we had that conversation last week? One that we talked about during the break, but not on air. The Chewy Chips Ahoy. Oh, yeah. Great snack innovation. Thought it was phenomenal. Last one. Top snack of all time, according to Drum. Cool Ranch Cerritos. There's no debate. No debate. Oh, so he has double Doritos. He does. Okay. He was slick with it. He decided to go with two different flavors. Um, Kyle walks into the studio. I am interested in what his top five snacks of all. I'm sorry. I'm making you work. I, I apologize for making you work. He's if that's to rest okay. his voice. He's got some yeah, tea, it looks like. But I'm, about start, I'm about to start a revolution, so I'm trying to keep my energy level down. Okay. You're about to start a revolution. I'm interested in that. Yeah. Okay. I'm start a revolution. All right. Start sounds good. Will no, it be no, televised? Right start the show. Okay. Will it be televised? Um, <laughs> the revolution will be televised. It will. It always is in some way, shape, or form. Okay. So snack foods? Yeah, just give us a top couple, according to Kyle Bailey. Nutter butters started. come to mind. Nutter butters um, are good. <laughs> I don't know why. Shut up, Marlo. Because I mean, it's oh, oh, degenerate, man. It's such a, he really is. A I mean, <laughs> Nutter butter is a stretch. Like, you got to stretch that out in order to make it bad. And that's what Fitty's doing. Yeah, yeah. it is. That's true. So Nutter butter, Um, what are the... Uh, uh, the New Orleans-style Cajun chips that we have down here in this now. Oh, the Voodoo. The voodoo yeah, was, Voodoo chips are pretty good. Those went, like, those jumped into my top three chips of all time the second I had them. Voodoo chips are good. So I'm going to throw those out there. White cheddar popcorn, also a classic. Fire. White Let's cheddar go. popcorn. That's number, that's a third one. Um, <laughs> I used to get those a lot when I was Fat Walker in elementary school. Oh, yeah. A my lot, food's I'll, the best. I was getting the extras I on mean, that. like, how do we classify ice cream? Because, like, Fat KB, my wife, like, I, I did some shameful things when I was Fat KB. Like, I'd wait for her to fall asleep so that I could door dash two pints of ice cream. Dang. So I'd have to share with her. Oh, right? So is... I'd be up like watching a ball game and I'm just housing two. You're you my know, hero. You're that's... on your way to 600 what? pound life. Well, look, that's oh, right. Yeah, up my for a minute I did. I think I got back to like 280. <laughs> I mean, that's how I was doing it. I'm I... just housing two pints of ice cream every night. I have go puffed of my fair share of Ben and Jerry's pints. And yes, eating that pint because I'm not going to put it away. I'm going to eat it all in one day. My wife does that. Like she'll eat a third of the pint and then she puts it away for the next day. I'm like, how do... who does that? How you know what? You do that? I started doing that, man. After I read the back of the Hagen Dodge. Uh, oh, it's bad stuff. No, it's bad, bad. But if you can, <laughs> it's bad, bad. once I read the back, I said, ooh, I don't need to eat all this. Yeah, 1,200 calories, 96 grams yeah. of sugar. <laughs> yeah, I eat about I, half of like it. I should eat I eat about half of it, and I put it up. I hope Whereas for 1,200. I went with two of them there ooh. for a while. I hope for 1,200 calories on the back of a Ben & Jerry's pint. It is the absolute worst. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's why I got a pot belly anytime I eat one after that. Well, like, I mean, and they're Netflix and chill. Like, it's a rel- they're, they've got some classics, right? With the new one, the Netflix and chill might be their best concoction of all time. I can eat two pints of that in a sitting, no problem. The chocolate-covered pretzels bring a different element to Ben and Jerry's they've never had Did you had ever before. almost get caught like by your wife? Because I could see I like a TV commercial sitting there eating. It's like, honey, you're like... Mm. I wouldn't actually try to hide it. I just didn't <laughs> want to take noise? bleep in the <laughs> yeah, yeah, morning. Yeah. I just want to relax and eat my ice cream. Like, if she wanted to get on me the next morning, I didn't care. The ice yeah. cream was gone at that point. Yeah, yeah. I still want to hear it while I was trying to get my ice cream. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. But she'd be like, you ate ice cream again last night without me? I'd be like, yep, I'll do it again tonight. Too. Oh, okay, so as long as you did it with her, she was okay. Yeah, right, but I would wait till she falls asleep. Because you didn't want to share. Nah.
And you didn't want to pay for four pints. Listen, I'm the one that's got to stay at much Pac-12 after dark, not her. I need the ice cream. Ah, 100%. Yeah. The Pac-4, that is. That's right, Pac-4, correct. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> that's Kyle Bailey. Stick around for the Starting revolution. revolution. Starting a revolution. The revolution. It begins at 3 o'clock here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Big thanks to Wes, Fitty, and Drum. We appreciate Drum hanging out with us all week long. Again, make sure you keep it right here. Sports Radio 92.7 FM.